Finding talent with the right skills is probably one of the top things on any C-suite's mind. Every company has a, what I call a hidden pool of talented employees. While they might be hardworking, creative and smart and aspire to grow, they are often not seen and heard by the leaders. If you're not visible, you are invisible. Well, we view the idea of standing out as the ability for someone to be seen and heard to be able to connect personally and communicate confidently in order to stand out. That's Stephen Krempel, CEO of Standing Out. Stephen is talking about how organizations need leaders and how you can help the C-suite to see you as a leader. Stephen is my guest for this first part of this episode of ERG Power Talk on how to leverage employee networks to get the skills and visibility you need to be seen as leadership material. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. And I'm going to jump in with this as a first question. Tell us about what drove you to create a program to help people stand out. Uh, thank you very much, Joe, for asking that question. Uh, you know, finding talent with the right skills is probably one of the top things on any C-suite's mind. And, and you know, today's uh, companies have a commitment to upskill and reskill employees and to drive internal, uh, internal talent mobility. The challenge is really to find the best employees and how do you, how do you grow them though? Because, you know, every company has a, what I call a hidden pool of talented employees. While they might be hardworking, creative and smart and aspire to grow, they're often not seen and heard by the leaders. So for me it was, how do I give these people the tools to kind of shine though? It's like your diamond in the rough, right? It's right there under the ground. There's full of potential, but you just need to polish them off for them to really shine in an organization. That's great. You know, Stephen, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting you should use that, uh, that phrase, a diamond in a rough. I wrote an article for CLO Magazine titled Diamonds in a Rough about oh, a wow. year oh, really? ago. Great. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and basically, in that article, what we explored was how companies might find and tap those hidden pools of talent. But you know what's interesting there is that in that article, what I'm focusing on is how companies should dig deep and find those yep. diamonds in the rough and polish them up. And I think what you focus on is more on how is it that those hidden talents or diamonds in the rough can work their way up to the surface so that they can be That's seen, right. right? So I think it's a two-way street, though. Yes, it is. It is. So 
Tell me what you mean by standing out and what is it that you teach people to do specifically employee network leaders and members to do so that they can kind of surface and stand out? Well, we view the idea of standing out as the ability for someone to be seen and heard. And additionally, I say, if you're not visible, you are invisible. See, all organizations have talent management needs, as we just spoke about, and they they hope to fill these internally through your bench, you know, your pipeline and everything else. So how do you get on that bench and how do you be seen as talent though? You know, we have, Joe, and you are very familiar with that. We have seen through all of the, the research done recently that communication tops many of those lists of needed capabilities, right? So for me to stand out, we teach people in an enterprise to be able to connect personally and communicate confidently in order to stand out. Essentially, you know, kind of better communication skills. Um, you know, Joe, may I ask you three questions with a yes or no answer? Sure. Okay. So does the smartest person always get noticed or promoted? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> does the hardest working person always get noticed or promoted? Yeah, unfortunately, that's a no uh, too. Unfortunately not. Okay. And the third one is, does the most loyal person necessarily get noticed or promoted? Yeah, again, that's a no. And sometimes people, I, you know, what I've seen feel that way. though. Just because they're smart, hardworking, and loyal, they think they're going to be uh, going to be noticed, right? And, and you know, Joe, nowadays with technology and specifically with AI, changing the way work is being done, what's actually left is human interaction. And, you know, with today's work mostly done in teams, requiring employees to be really to be better contributors, listeners, and superb communicators. So for what I feel is, you know, ERG members, they must be able to adapt and grow and position themselves to be seen as leaders and decision makers. And we teach people, you know, kind of simple and effective techniques uh, and ideas that they can adapt and practice. Uh, we not only address the skill, but also practice how these cohorts and, you know, whether it's ERG leaders and teams can grow their talent and, and scale that solution, especially if they're a dispersed organization all over the country or the globe. That's excellent. Yep. No, got it. Makes a lot of sense. So let's, you, you started to go there. So let's keep going a little bit into why understanding how to stand out is important to employee network leaders and members specifically. Well, as we know today, uh, enterprises strive to achieve a more diverse talent pipeline, a key role, which definitely the ERGs and ERG leaders play uh, in finding that and providing that talent to the organization, right? So to, to have the most effective resources that allow their members to grow and thrive. The network leaders are often demonstrating those same leadership skills and, and, and looking for opportunities to get their members to be able to demonstrate those same capabilities. And, and uh, especially to the broader organization, not just good enough to do it in the ERG. Uh, the, the standout program makes it easy for leaders to, uh, you know, to provide proven techniques and tools. It has the real practical, real scenarios and solutions that uh, will help them not only stand out, but drive their group members to succeed and thus, you know, uh, have the, maybe the ERG succeed because sometimes there are a number of ERGs, right? Um, 
I remember one of the ERG uh, leaders uh, said she was watching one of her videos and she liked it so much she made her husband watch the videos because she knew that her husband <laughs> wasn't doing the same skills that he should be doing in the organization. So in his organization. That's excellent. So you literally provide tools that enable uh, an employee network to really become a, leader, a leadership development engine, the leaders of the network for themselves as well as for their members. So Tell us more about some of the key elements that people need to pay attention to if they want to really stand out. There are probably two parts. And, and the way I like to describe this, Joe, is firstly, what do they need to do? And the secondly is where do they need to do this and apply these skills? So in our program, we talk about uh, seven power skills that we really teach people uh, over and about the mindset that we want them to have. You know, the first one is communicating uh, confidently, uh, connecting personally, the second one. Uh, third one is articulating your point of view clearly, all right? Building trust, providing direct feedback, uh, taking ownership, and then just coaching and recognizing. The, the, the thing is, it sounds so simple, but as we say, simple is not easy. Uh, we all know uh, communication is one of the top five skills, as we said, you know, soft or power skills that show up in all the research and the C-level people all like it. But the critical thing is, where do the C-level people see you perform these skills? Though? And that's the other second part is where do they need to do it? So we usually say there are five work experiences that allow people's opportunity to stand out. And here are the five. Number one, the one-on-one -on -one meeting, though, right? The team meeting, the conference call. Now, you can be on a conference call, but you know some people say nothing on a conference call, so it means they don't know you're on the call, right? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, Joe. Now, there are two kinds, right? The ones who say nothing and the ones who say too much. That's a different story altogether, right? <laughs> Those are the ones that they put their hands up in a meeting. Everybody goes, oh, my God, here he goes again, right? So, uh, <laughs> but we're not talking about those. The fourth one is the business presentation. And then the fifth one is really the company social. How comfortable are you to talk to anybody about anything? And uh, we even show them a formula uh, we call FORM on how to do that. Because many people just... They attend the company social, but they hide in the corner and have a couple of, you know, drinks and then, and then they run off. So, so um, and here's the real crux, Joe, what I've seen. Many times, let's say if you are in my organization, you come in and you do a presentation, right? And I'll, so I'll say this to you, Joe, great job. We need more people like you in our organization. Then you leave the room. Then I turn to the person next to me and I'll say, is he always this long-winded? <laughs> right? But you never get to hear that. And that's the problem because sometimes in many organizations, people are corporate nice. Um, and, and especially when you're presenting to people two levels above you, right? They want you to be clear, concise, and get to the point. And many people may not realize or know exactly how to do that. And that's what we show them. That's excellent. You know, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, I'm sure that's happened to me, Steve. And as soon as I walked out, they said, they said, does he have an off switch? But <laughs> yeah. Turn him off. Dial him down, please. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So these are wonderful insights, actually, that you're sharing with people. And like, like, a, like most great insights, they're the kind of things where 
you may not have thought of them before, but when someone articulates it the way you do, you say, yeah, that's right. You know, it makes sense. It's like, why didn't I see that it was there? So what I'd love to hear a little bit about is, tell me more about how you came across these insights, because clearly when someone comes across insights like that, there have been experiences along the way that probably gave them a different perspective. Well, thanks for asking, Jones. You know, as you know, I had a front row seat both at Starbucks and at Yum Brands. You know, absorbing how some employees were more effective in growing their own careers and some who did not. The saddest part were some were bypassed for promotion and not because they were not producing results or were hardworking. They just didn't understand the rules of the game and, and to be able to switch the communication style when it was required. Sometimes in an organization, it is expected that you deliver messages with a more positive tone. And that's one of the things we teach people is the concept of positive, neutral, and negative. It's what some people think. I attend a two-hour meeting with my team, and then when I finish that discussion, I have to go to my boss, right? And that maybe is down to 30 minutes, though. And then when I get to my boss's boss, I may have only 15 minutes. However, the way you describe and what you say in those three situations are totally different. So let me give you a very quick one. So in the two-hour meeting, you and I will be there and we'll say, Joe, we have a lot of problems, right? But when I go up to my boss, I can't even say that, right? We'll say, uh, we have a few things that need to be fixed. However, if I'm going to my boss's boss, we'll probably have to say, we have identified three issues which we are addressing immediately. And the story changes as you go up different, but some people go, you know, we have a lot of problems. Go into their boss, we have a lot of problems. Then they go two levels up, we have a lot of problems. They're not going to be seen in very good light. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's almost as if, you know, we're still speaking English, but we're speaking a different language to different people. It is. And the trick is you must know how to switch. And I've seen that all the time in organizations. The ones who are really at the top, they know how to address the person down on the, the shop floor and they know how to address the board. And the more you get comfortable with that in your long career, the better it is for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about other people that I've spoken to and other topics that I've delved into that really focus in on the power of habit and how habit and reflexes jump in, especially when you're in a tension type situation or when you feel stress. So yeah. my question to you is, how do you make this part of who you are? How do you teach people in these uh, employee groups to internalize this so that when they are in front of their boss's boss and they feel like a lot is on the line, rather than reverting to whatever habit they had before, which is saying, you know, oh, we have a problem, the same thing they said to the two levels before, <laughs> that they remember to make that switch. How do they internalize that? What are some of the things that you advise people to do to go from, I know it, to I now own it and it's a part of me and I respond appropriately, reflexively? Well, like everything else, uh, uh, Joe, firstly, I, I tell people, you need to know the skills that you need to improve uh, to get noticed, right? So we're all about standing out here. And then, and then I mentioned this, though. So we follow a learn, do, practice, and get some feedback. So unless you're learning the skill and then you're doing it on a regular basis to, so that you know how to come out, make it automatic, 
and then practice it and then really get feedback, you're not going to be able to internalize it, right? So part of the program is set up with a series of videos that we teach the technique. Well, that's great. It's a little micro video, so you get the technique. But finally, using the action learning and then the practice scenarios to practice the technique because as simple as it is, simple is not easy though. We provide guidelines and even the exercises and tell you what we're looking for to be good, right? Especially when it's online. And lastly, we suggest methods for you getting some practice and get some real feedback from either your peers and, and, or your bosses or supervisors if you really you know, had that relationship with them. And, and then by doing that, I think that's how you internalize it. It's, it's, it's really practice though. And, you know, our program comes really, and I think it really works well for many environments, but when you have a group or a cohort such as an ERG, the methodology works the best because everyone has a common language and then the skill set so that they can give each other feedback and encouragement. And I think that's the power of the ERG. That's great. And, and, you know, as you were saying that I was, you kind of jumped right in the direction that I was going mentally because I was thinking, what a wonderful thing to belong to this group where there's some relative safety, right? It's not yes, the same as a when safety you're... safety net there. Yeah. And, 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 and you can, I mean, I, I've been to a couple of ERG meetings where I've, I've been asked to speak and stuff as well, right? And, and everybody wants to get ahead and, and they're in, they're in, the, in, in the, everybody's alike and Everybody's encouraging and sometimes you need that safety net and to make people feel safe to try new things, right? And these skills for some people are, you know, not as easy as it is. Yeah. So they get to model the behavior and, and safety exactly. and then they can gradually, as they grow their skill and they're going to make their mistakes, obviously, because acquiring information is one thing, actually executing and doing it is another. But as they go through that process, they really internalize it. Then they're ready for prime time as, you know, as I would call it, where they can, right. they can work then in the larger organization. So I love that. That's great. So let me ask you this, Stephen. If someone really wants to learn more about this topic and becoming the kind of person that really can show up and be seen and be known by an organization, are there some books or resources that you can offer that people can uh, check out? Actually, uh, you know, one of the best resources, I think, uh, Joe, is if they go to standingout-w3.com, there is a module on providing direct feedback that they can watch and go through the whole exercise themselves so that they can really learn because this is one of the key skills that people uh, I think uh, need is to be able to provide feedback in a positive or more neutral tone as opposed to being negative. And, and that's one of the best ways to go and, and get it and they can uh, actually uh, uh, participate in, in learning the skill and then maybe practicing it in their organization as well. That's fantastic. Great. So, Stephen, this is great advice. And on that note, we're going to close. I could probably talk to you for another hour about this because I think it's, a, it's such a fascinating topic. Great having you here on the show today. And I'm sure that this program is going to stimulate a lot of thinking on the part of our various listeners. So I want to thank you again for joining me today and sharing your insights and your experiences and the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Joe. 
So let's stop and reflect on a few of the things we learned from Stephen today. One, the C-suite in all organizations is always looking for new leaders. Two, you and many others in your employee networks may be undiscovered senior and or middle-level leadership material, hidden diamonds in the rough, as Stephen and I like to refer to you. Three, there is a lot that you can do to put yourself on the C-suite radar by leveraging your employee network. First, you can take advantage of your role in your ERG or BRG to practice and develop the power skills that Stephen spoke about. Second, you can also leverage your participation in your ERG or BRG to create more opportunities to demonstrate your growing mastery of these power skills to your C-suite. Remember that if you're not visible, you are invisible, as Stephen put it. And also, give yourself time to master these skills. They're simple. But as Stephen also put it, simple is not easy. So what does it look like when we leverage our membership in an employee network in order to make ourselves more visible? Coming up, our panel will talk about how they've been able to do just that as they develop and display their power skills. But first, if you're lucky enough to be working for one of our sponsor companies, you'll be happy to hear that Stephen is one of our learning partners. So you will have an opportunity to hear more from him in one of our upcoming live webinar training sessions for our sponsors, ERG, BRG leaders. If, however, you're not one of our sponsors, here's a bit more information about Stephen and standing out. I'll talk to you on the other side. Which skills to reskill now? Stephen Kremple, the prior chief learning officer at Starbucks and Yum! Brands. Before that was curious to why some employees more effectively progressed in their careers, while many did not. Stevens had a front row seat observing employees whilst in the corporation or when consulting to multinational corporations. His latest book, The 5% Zone, How to Stand Out as a Global Executive, answers the question on which skills to reskill now. Experience one of the winning in the work world. 5% Zone video-based micro-coaching lessons on articulating your point of view clearly by visiting the Standing Out slash W3 website at www.standingout-w3.com. That's www.standingout-w3.com. www.standingout-w3.com. And we're back. So what does it look like when you leverage your role in your employee network to develop yourself and get on the C-suite's radar? How do you avoid having yourself sidelined because leaders don't see you or recognize your value? According to a recent study performed by the leadership development company, Zenger Folkman, when people get poor performance ratings from their managers, it's often not due to something they did, but due to something they did not do. So what is it that they did not do? Well, their findings go on to detail a list of behaviors and skills that the employee failed to visibly display. But the bottom line is that what these employees failed to do is to make themselves visible in a positive light. That's where developing power skills and having the opportunity to show up come into play. And that's what our panel is here to discuss. First, we have Christopher Mastello, a senior experience designer with Avanod, a company that was co-founded by Accenture and Microsoft to provide digital and cloud-based business service solutions on the Microsoft ecosystem. And we also have Latia Taylor, a lead financial analyst with AT&T. 
So let's begin by learning a little bit about our panelists. Latia, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about your role as well as the employee network that you represent. Yes, well, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me to be here. This is my first time participating on a podcast, so I'm very excited to add this to my list of extracurricular activities. So for AT&T, I actually serve as a lead financial analyst. And I'll give you the exciting version. I work in corporate finance in downtown Dallas, and I work on a small team of folks that handles the external reporting uh, to uh, our uh, investors. So in a nutshell, that is my primary role for the company. I also lead uh, the network Black Integrated Communications Professionals, which is AT&T's employee resource groups that serves the African-American employee base. We are proud that we have just celebrated 50 years in the middle of 2019. We are AT&T's first employee resource group, and we uh, arguably are the first employee resource group to be incorporated uh, in uh, the corporate space. So we're really excited to be able to share today. Wow, that's great. 50 years, that's impressive. I think you're the first person I've spoken to who's told me that they have a group that's been around for 50 years. So kudos to you. Thank you. Christopher, what about you? Tell us a little bit about you and especially what an experienced designer is at Avanade and what employee group do you represent? Yes, thank you. So I also want to take a moment just to thank you for having me. This is also my first time on a podcast, so very excited to be here. Um, when it comes to my day-to-day -day role, um, I, just as you mentioned, serve as an experienced designer um, for our clients. So I am designing digital experiences, um, whether that is journeys or journey mapping or creating an actual like proof of concept or design um, within the digital space. That's uh, what I'm doing on my day-to-day -day, uh, role. And then when it comes to my inclusion role, I serve as our global lead for uh, PRISM, which is our LGBT plus ERG. Um, and interestingly enough, we are also Avanade's first ERG. Um, so very exciting to share that. Granted, we don't have 50 years behind us. Our company is only 20 years old, but um, we are, you know, crawling towards that, towards that mark. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's great. So just referencing back to my interview with Stephen, where he talks about seven power skills that we need to develop in order to stand out in an organization. And he lists the following very clearly, communicating confidently, connecting personally, articulating your point of view clearly, building trust, providing direct feedback, taking ownership and coaching and recognizing. And I know that when we listen to these skills, we probably think these sound a lot like what people used to call and maybe even some still call soft skills. But I love the fact that he calls them power skills because I think that's what they really are. So of these seven power skills, which ones do you think that you've developed and use most effectively? Christopher, let's start with you. So when I started at Avanade, I began at the organization working with people of all levels and varying skill sets and experiences. And for me, building that network of people that I know and the great work that they deliver and in reverse, building awareness of myself with others and the work and expertise that I bring to the table, all of it's really kind of come together to build a network that can work together when posed to do so. 
right? So if you take that outside of just me for a second, think of like how can an organization empower employees to work together on initiatives like inclusion? Um, in this case, it needs to be authentic and instill confidence in the overarching employee experience. You know, it needs to be intentional. And I know I'm touching on a few things here, but I guess what I'm really trying to get at is everything that Steven discussed kind of harmonizes when you're building out your network of who you know and doing so as a two-way street to build those authentic connections that can work together, really. Yeah, great points. Thank you for that, Christopher. Latia, same question for you. I would hands down have to say communicating confidently. First of all, communication to me anchors all of the others. I don't see how you can effectively do any of the other six if you're not first able to communicate confidently, particularly when you're speaking to executive leadership. You, you are likely, it's highly unlikely that you're going to have an extended amount of time to engage in, in conversation. And so you've got to do your homework. You have to come prepared. You have to know what you're talking about. You know, I often say, if you can't explain something so that my, I was about to say 10, she just turned 11, so let me make sure I get it straight. But if you can't explain it in a way that my 11-year-old daughter can regurgitate that information back to you, then maybe you don't know it as well as you think that you know it. So that to me is really important. I, I have to do that a lot, particularly when you're in not for, uh, for the ERGs at AT&T, we are actually nonprofit organizations. So we spend a lot of time uh, fundraising and you certainly have to be able to speak confidently and succinctly when you're trying to generate revenue for your organization. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to be confident. You have to look people in the eye. You have to use clear words. Don't try to you know, this is not the time to break out all the SAT words. This is the time to just really be clear about the value proposition. What is it that you're asking for? What is the value that you bring to the table? So, and even, you know, when you think about some of those other things that are listed, building trust and articulating your point, again, it all goes back to can you communicate confidently? Even tie that to uh, providing direct feedback. Sometimes as an ERG leader on your team, you may have folks that you need to coach and you may need to share with them some, some areas of opportunity. And so the worst thing you can do is to communicate in a way where you almost look like you're intimidated by the feedback that you're offering or where you start to backpedal and start to apologize for providing this feedback. You know, it's all, it's all about the way you deliver it. But again, as I mentioned, ultimately it all goes back to your ability to be prepared and to communicate directly, confidently, and with intention. That's a great point, Latia, because I agree with you that almost every one of these skills, if you were to put them in a diagram, the hub that sits in the middle is communication, and then all the other pieces kind of come out as spokes. Mm -hmm. Great point. Christopher, you mentioned the two-way street. Can you give me an example of a strong two-way street connection that you've built by using some of these skills? Absolutely. Um, so... Our brand team and communication team connections with our ERG are what's top of mind for me um, when we're talking about those two-way street connections. So for PRISM, we've been able to enable LGBT plus visibility within our branding together. So that's an example of one of those outputs that have come from this two-way street connection. Um, and not to run off on a tangent, but... Uh, from my perspective, that's one of the key elements to anything or anyone's success is visibility. 
uh, it kind of starts with visibility, right? Um, and Stephen kind of mentioned that point. If you're not visible, you're invisible, right? And not only that example though, but also uh, within our language and content that we're putting out as a company um, from Avanade, both internally and externally, excuse me, externally, alongside these teams, um, that's been another output from this two-way street connection, but that also happens in the reverse. So say for instance, when those teams are looking for content or for our ERG's input, they have that connection already built with us to approach us and we are prepared to work together. Um, but then outside of those particular teams, in addition, um, there's also been inclusion and diversity and marketing leadership connections that uh, I'm very proud of and very excited to be working with those individuals where I get to work with these folks that I ordinarily may not be in my everyday role, right? Mm -hmm. Which I guess can really apply to all of those folks, including branding and marketing. That's, you know, not my day-to-day -day role, um, but that's something that coincides with my passion here of inclusion. So I guess out of that two-way street, this kind of mentoring and insight and connection is, in my opinion, invaluable to learning and to careers, right? These are experiences that you, as I mentioned, may not get in your daily role. And that's, it's something that's not only exciting, but also empowering. Absolutely. Go ahead, Latia. I was just going to ask you to weigh in on that. And I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm in total agreement with Chris. Um, you know, since this, this, the topic for today is really all about standing out. How do you stand out? You know, why is it important? And I would say the same to be true for Chris as it is for myself. Both of our presence here on this panel today is a, is a perfect example of that two-way street, right? I'm certain that there's something that you've seen in Chris or you've heard of him or seen something that he's done that compelled you to invite him to be a part of the panel today. And when I think about myself, I think about a lot of the speaking that I've done internally around uh, not just my ERG specifically, but really around garnering support for le from leadership for all of the ERGs to be able to thrive at AT&T. And I think about how I've leveraged my social media real estate to use my voice and lend my voice to that topic. And then so much so that it led to me being invited to speak on a panel back last fall in Newark, New Jersey for Diversity Inc. And all of those things are linked together, which bring us to this day where I'm, I'm so pleased and proud to be able to be here with you today and share. But that to me is an ultimate example of that two-way street, the things that I do, the things that I do well anyway, and then how they ultimately landed me on, on your podcast. So I just think that um, there, there's a lot of synergies there, number one, but number two, by you operating in your gifts and your passions and doing what it is that you do and bringing your A game, it opens up opportunities for you in as much as you are being of service to your, your organization or to your local community where you're serving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember that engagement that you had out in Newark. I was sitting in the audience and I think I mentioned to you when I went up to you that I attend these events sometimes, sort of talent scouting for people that I want to have on the show. And uh, right after you came off the stage, I came right up to you and I got your card right away and we connected on LinkedIn. So let's talk a little bit about how being part of a employee resource group has helped you to develop these power skills. And Latia, let's stay with you on that question. Okay, so let me let me first say in my 
in my day-to-day -day role, I am what they call an individual contributor. So I'm a part of the management staff, but I don't have direct reports in my day-to-day -day role. Now pivot over to my ERG role where I serve as CEO for the network. I have a little over 11,000 employees that are a part of the organization. And that's a lot of people, right? <laughs> um, that is, I have, I have a greater span of leadership than my vice president in my day-to-day -day role. A lot of different personalities, competing priorities, you know, you name it. And so when you are leading an organization of this size, any significant lacks in any of those power skills can be largely felt and can be very impactful and in some cases can be destructive and disruptive to the organization, right? So, and in this, in this role, I have an opportunity to work with people in the business at varying levels from your from your frontline employee who is greeting guests in our retail stores all the way up to senior officers in the business. And so very quickly, I've had to hone some of these skills, particularly in that, not so much commuting confidently, but communicating succinctly for sure, being able to extract what they really need to know and what they care about most. I really appreciated those takeaways from your interview with Steven, because he spoke about how you have to modify your language according to the audience and be able to just get right to the point, which for sometimes, sometimes you may feel like you're being abrasive, but really, if you got 15 minutes, you can't spend the first 10 asking how was your weekend, right? So um, those are some of the things that have, that have really helped me, uh, along with the fact that there's so many different changes that are happening in the business, you know, whether it be um, people uh, being surplus, as we call it, which really just means severance and, you know, people being severed and that sort of thing. So there's so many moving parts that have, over the course of the last eight years, I just realized recently that I've, I've been in part of the organization for 10 years and had some kind of a leadership role for the last eight. And so I've had a lot of time, both at the local and national level, to hone those skills. And so now with just one year remaining in my term, my goal now is to just duplicate myself and create more leaders so that they can sustain and, and continue on. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, as I was listening to you, it became abundantly clear that one of the things that really made a difference for you in terms of developing those skills is that in this other role within your employee network, you're working with so many different people that it actually puts you in a position where you have to know how to speak in different ways to different people depending on who they are and what their interests are and so forth. And that might not be something that in a regular day job is demanded of you as much. So that is an interesting opportunity to develop that type of flexibility in how you communicate with people. Christopher, what about you? What's been your experience in that area in terms of how being within that network has put you in a position where you've developed these different power skills? Yeah. So my daily role as an experience designer and my role as the global LGBT plus lead uh, definitely coincide with each other. I mean, consider that as a consulting experience designer. So Avanad is a consultancy. So, you know, I'm working across many different individuals, many different types of industries. Um, there's a lot that plays into that, right? Um, differing skill sets. I mean, even levels in our clients' organizations and sometimes working on their highest priority initiatives, for example, which 
is a big ask and sometimes may seem daunting um, when posed with that as, an, as a designer. But echoing Latia, that, that requires leading, but leading with your ideas. Uh, and then coinciding with that is communicating confidently and concisely, right? Mm -hmm. So if as a designer, I'm communicating an idea, but I'm using a bunch of terms that people just don't know or that are part of the design world and not part of the industry itself or you know what have you, I mean, you have to be concise and know your audience, right? Um, which I think was a big takeaway from Steven's comments. Um, and I guess that really goes back to this whole conversation about communication being the anchor as that valuable skill. Um, but it also, for me, kind of relates to storytelling in a way, which is how I would describe my role as an experienced designer. So, um, you know, I could throw in a bunch of words like digital and all of the buzzwordy stuff. But essentially what I'm doing is communicating a design and a vision of ultimately an experience and however that may touch someone. And drawing the parallel to that with inclusion and the ERG, we're doing the same thing, right? We're trying to, to touch people but create an experience that is... Uh, encompassing of everybody and enabling everybody to deliver their talents together. Long story short, I think it, it really just goes back to that communication. Yep, I agree. So what I hear you saying, Christopher, is that your role in your employee resource group has given you an opportunity to kind of sharpen and develop those storyteller skills. I think that was one of the things that came across in, in, in previous exchanges that we had. Tell us a little more about that. Like within the context of your employee group, what is it about being in that group as a leader and as a member that gives you an opportunity that you otherwise wouldn't have to sharpen those skills as a storyteller? So I guess I can also pivot the conversation a bit to uh, enabling our employees, right? So it's not just about myself being able to be a storyteller, but enabling our employees to, be, to do so as well. And right now we have a trend where employees are empowered to write blogs and share their experiences and stories and not only with an internal audience of the rest of our employees, but externally, right? So that's a platform that, that uh, we offer that has a, lot, a wealth of um, information, but also these stories and experiences that may extend um, not just to the workplace, but to everyday life or life in a country other than our own and how um, in this particular case, LGBT plus experiences might be across the globe that we may not generally have insight into. So I can also give an example of that outside of blogs that fosters awareness and intersectionality. So uh, recently our veterans and LGBT plus ERGs held a joint panel together discussing the intersection of service, allyship, and the modern workplace. And our LGBT plus ERG has, in addition, held a number of panels uh, recently with guests external to Avanade talking about their experiences out in the world. Uh, so, I mean, kind of drawing it back to what we're here doing today, we're storytelling and telling our experiences that we have in the hopes to empower and enable others to do the same, right? So part of it is really driving how that intersection intersectionality comes into play with every facet of who we are as people 
and that these connections that we're making through these discussions and through these opportunities to storytell enable all of us to kind of going back to my earlier point, build our network and organically work together and learn who we can reach out to, whether it's for work or our day-to-day -day roles or ERG activity or even for personal connections. Uh, you know, that's definitely part of what our ERGs are trying to do is we're trying to make connections outside of just work. And at Avanade, we have a very, very strong culture of that. We can see that even in places like our knowledge sharing style of culture that's seen across, seen across our different talent communities and practices. Um, so even intersectionality in terms of like differing practices coming together, sharing experiences and seeing how, you know, perhaps we can innovate together or something of that nature. Being a tech company, that's a, that's a big thing for us is innovations. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm recalling some of the things that Latia was talking about. And the connection there is, again, that the network, while it has sort of a unifying social element that brings it together, whether it's, you know, LGBTQA or if it's an African-American network, it's still made up of a very diverse population of people when it comes to levels and when it comes to other things. And one of the ways that it enhances your ability to build on your power skills is that it lets you exercise them within so many different contexts that you become extra flexible. And that's kind of the comment I, I came away with when I was listening to Latia. And that's the thing I'm coming away with as I listen to you now, Christopher, is that that flexibility that you develop is really important to you because it allows you to calibrate how you're using, especially your communication, but all the other power skills, depending on who you're talking to. So let's turn our attention to visibility itself. So what extra visibility opportunities do you think that you've gotten out of your role as an uh, employee network member and leader that are different from what you would have gotten had you not had that role, had you just been in your day job? And Latia, we're going to start with you again on this one. Certainly the connections to leadership, both inside and outside of my business unit that I work in. Um, just the relationships, for one, has been a, a huge help because you've, it's, it's given me the opportunity to have additional mentors um, that I may not have crossed paths with. And although we haven't always articulated or defined the relationship as a mentoring relationship, some of them I tell them I adopted them. Um, it's one of those just grassroots, organic type of relationships that just develops from nurturing and communication. Uh, also, though, on a, on a technical basis, yes, I've been given opportunities to facilitate workshops. I just led a workshop last week on, on how to garner executive support in your role as an ERG leader. Um, panels, you, you know, that sort of thing. I have been given a lot of opportunity to do that or to be interviewed for written pieces and things like that, which has been, which has been, uh, it's been nice, but I just want to add, yes, there are personal gains from being in these ERG leadership roles, but ultimately to me, it still comes down to passion. So you're passionate about what you're doing. You're authentic. And I love that word. And I heard you use it a couple of times, Christopher, being authentic about what you're doing. And then you go and you do a good job doing what it is that you do. Others will notice. And so you know, there's so much work that goes into being an ERG leader, whether it's a large ERG or a small ERG. I've talked to many 
of my peers, internal and external, and we all have the same problems. We're all trying to engage people. We're all competing for their volunteer time. You know, we all are trying to navigate through uh, excuses and things of that nature. So I think if you, if you don't have the heart to do this, and if your primary driver is this recognition, then uh, people will eat you up and spit you out. You, you won't be able to sustain if you're not driven by your passion to serve and you're being authentic about what you're doing. But if, you're, if your heart is in the right place and you're working hard and doing what you should do, then that extra recognition and success is going to be a natural byproduct and product of that. Yeah, well said. I think that the thing that I would put a fine point on that you said is that, yeah, you get a lot of extra visibility, but you, you don't want to be a showboat. You don't want it to be all about you looking for visibility. You want it to be about you contributing and sharing of your authentic self in such a way that makes your best self visible to everyone uh, yes. because you're really driving value. So I like that you brought that around that way. Christopher, what do you feel about gaining visibility through your work with employee networks? I would say that that's probably something that I am most proud of is that visibility amongst peers and colleagues, uh, but then also being able to empower those other individuals that share this passion for mm -hmm. inclusion. Uh, I mean, it's so rewarding, right? Honestly, when you can empower those around you and you see, you see them succeed as well, that's really the reward that all of us should be seeking. If you have that opportunity to bring someone along in the journey with you who may not ordinarily, ordinarily have the chance to, to be there or um, may not feel like they can speak up to do so, that's something we should all be cognizant of and strive to do. Totally agree with you, Christopher. You know, in a separate exchange between us, you talked about what you learned as an employee network member who got coached by leaders. And you also talked about the opportunity you had as an employee network member to teach leaders. Share with us first an example of what you learned from leaders. And second, how you had an opportunity to teach leaders. Absolutely. And so for the first question, when it comes to what I've learned, um, and I hit on this earlier, and we're definitely underscoring it across the entire conversation, but um, it's that concept of being intentional and communicating with intention, um, even uh, your actions, you know, make, ensuring that your actions have intentionality behind them. That's something that I've learned, and I'm still sharpening um, to this day. And when it comes to in the reverse, so uh, Latia kind of mentioned it about being able to facilitate workshops and um, utilizing skills that come out in day-to-day -day roles here, um, but sharing the idea of design thinking and how that can apply to um, the you know journey of inclusion. And we're actually seeing our ERG now take opportunities to facilitate workshops. So even outside of just kind of sharing how we can incorporate design thinking mentalities into this journey of inclusion, but it's so cool to see our ERGs uh, work together to run these kind of workshops and partnership to see exactly what our culture is asking for, uh, well, what our culture and what our company um, and employees are asking for and how we can better serve what they want and need in their, whether it's day-to-day -day experiences or, you know, work life or whatever that may be. 
Um, so it's really cool to, I guess, for myself to see those day job skills as a UXer coincide with this passion role. That's, that's been a big element of kind of the coaching for execs, just to, I guess, pose the idea of thinking differently. Yep, that makes sense. So Christopher, I'm going to stay with you for this question. What advice will you give to people who want to leverage their role in an employee network to get ahead in their career? So I guess to kind of open that, I would say that inclusion and employee resource groups and business business resource groups, all of those in general can do so much for a career. Um, And I've experienced that like firsthand, I'm sure all of us have experienced that firsthand. It's almost uh, the way I kind of put it is like a little sandbox that you can experiment and play in and not only to, you know, strengthen skills or try out new, new things personally, um, but in the reverse to also bring new opportunities to the organization, right? So you get to kind of experiment, I guess, going back to the pre- my previous point about design thinking and how we can incorporate design thinking into our, our journey of inclusion. How can we make opportunities more accessible for everybody? And ultimately, we're just trying to impact people at their core, right? This is ultimately all of this work is about who are our people and bringing that into the spotlight, bringing our people into the spotlight as opposed to anything else. And then uh, to Latia's point, in the reverse, you're not only, your career isn't only benefiting from that skill strengthening and practicing new talents, but you get to inherently impact that employee experience, which is a term that we're hearing in so many different industries right now, employee experience, customer experience, right? We're just, we're trying to make an environment more inclusive for everybody, no matter who you are. That's excellent. You know, I love that sandbox analogy because it does paint a nice picture uh, of giving people the ability to experiment and to experiment within somewhat of a cocoon of safety compared to if they were going to try these skills out in the larger organizations. So that's a great point. Latia, I'm going to move over to you now. Same question. What's your advice? So one thing that I spoke about on a panel that I was a part of last week, again, was how important it is to have the support of your leadership team within your direct chain of command, both up and down. And there are are some misconceptions that these employee resource groups, or in some cases, business resource groups, are social clubs. And some leadership struggles to see the value of such groups because they feel that in some ways it could be detracting away from the work that you're there to do. So one thing that you can do to get in your, ahead in your career relative to these groups is to make sure that you are knocking it out of the park when it comes to the job that you are paid to do. Uh, performance excellence, you know, under, uh, over-delivering. And, and all of those sorts of things that we know to be somewhat table stakes in order to be relevant, in order to stand out in the job that you're actually paid to do for the company. But you also have an opportunity, whether your, your reviews be weekly or quarterly or annual, however you do it, to share, uh, to share with your leadership team how the things that you're doing for your ERG or BRG are enabling you to be an even better employee. Share with them some skills that you learned. Maybe share with them some situation that came up and how you are now handling those kinds of things differently as a result of what you learned in your leadership role at the ERGs. Show them the value that it's giving to the business. You can even request skip level meetings and say, 
hey, is it okay if I meet with our, you know, area vice president or our VP? Just want to just want to give you an update on what's happening with this. Because many of the business units, at least at AT&T, some of their goals are also around diversity and inclusion efforts. So share with them what you're doing. Invite them to be a part of it. You certainly cannot, your, your ERG role can actually become a stumbling block to your career if you are not doing a good job of engaging your leadership and making sure that they're understanding what you're doing. Enroll them in your personal mission. Enroll them in your passion. Help them understand why you're so passionate about it while you are simultaneously just being a rock star employee. So, um, and again, just back to my other point, I don't want anyone to think that coming into these ERG leadership roles and taking on some fancy title so that you can update your email signature alone is going to be enough to do the trick. I don't want you to come into it uh, expecting to move forward in your career. I want you to go into it with your eyes wide open, knowing that you're doing it, you're passionate about it, you're looking to serve, you're looking to grow yourself, you're looking to grow your team. And again, if you do all of those things and if you get it right, you will absolutely succeed. That's going to be a natural byproduct. Just want you to be intentional about being your authentic self. And I'm sure you've heard, don't try to swing with somebody else's bat, swing with your own, you know, or be you, everyone else has already taken. All of those cliches kind of feed in here, but I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to your career growth and progression that you get that support from your leadership team and then you've got them working alongside you instead of questioning what you're doing. And Excellent I think, points. Go ahead, Christopher. Yeah, so I also have something like to add to that too. It's with the idea of communicating to leaders and leadership. If, there's, if there are, or even if there aren't, find them opportunities to kind of report back. And I kind of put that in air quotes because the term report, it, it just sounds so boring, right? Uh, but to report back on the impact that the ERG is on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, find opportunities to be able to report back to leadership, some sort of metrics, right? Something that we're starting to do is create um, fiscal year impact reports from our ERG to, to our leadership about, hey, these are some of our hot topic focuses for the fiscal year. This is what, uh, you know, here's some trends that we're seeing. Here's some metrics that we have behind all of these, uh, you know, engagements with all of these teams across the organization. Um, and then here's, you know, maybe a little snippet of what we're going to be focusing on now and or in the future. Those opportunities, they, they can kind of coincide with leaders. And as Latia mentioned, these execs, they share this sentiment for inclusion, um, but they are also wanting to get feedback from employees. What, what do we need? What can we make better? You know, it's kind of going back to that idea of a two-way street. If you empower that two-way street, everybody as a collective can get so much done. And folks, on that note, we're going to end. I think this has been a pretty robust conversation. I wish I had another hour or two to spend with you. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. So Christopher, Latia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been truly my pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for having us. So here's what I got from our panel today. 
First, that employee groups offer you a lot of opportunities to develop and demonstrate your power skills across your entire organization. However, while you can leverage your participation in an employee network to stand out, that alone should not be your only or even your first reason for being a member of a network. As both Christopher and Latia pointed out, we should join groups that resonate with our authentic passion. It is within a network for which you feel an authentic passion that you have the greatest opportunity to build and display your power skills. And finally, don't forget to continue to be a rock star in your day job and to continue to help others to also become more visible. So to sum it up, be part of a network you care about and then play full out. While giving value to your company and fellow members, develop and display your power skills and make the best version of you fully visible for all to see. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. By the way, Contact me if you're looking for an ERG symposium keynote or a leader for your strategy workshop, new chair onboarding, and or ERG bootcamp. I can run these for you either in person or in a virtual setting. Also, for more great ideas and tips for your ERGs, get my book, Supercharge Your ERGs, 18 Tips to Power Up Your ERG Strategy on Amazon.com. I'm Joe Santana. And thanks again for tuning in.